Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, editorial director, here with Mara Levinsky, senior editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, we have some more sad news to report this week. Um, soap vet Jed Allen has passed away at the age of 84. Uh, you know, my viewing experience with Jed is as C.C. Capwell on Santa Barbara and then as Rush Sanders on Beverly Hills 90210. But he had a long, successful run as Days' Don Craig, the first man Marlena was involved with, the father to Donna, who was played by Tracy Bregman, now Weinar's Lauren, and once again, we saw so many people post tributes online to him because, you know, he really made such a mark on daytime. Absolutely. Um, well, first of all, I loved Santa Barbara so much. And Jed Allen, I just associate him so strongly with that show because he was the patriarch of the Capwells. And in the tribute that we have to Jed in the new issue, I really loved reading what Robin Matson had to say. They had such fun stuff together on that show as Cece and Gina. And when we were writing the tribute, you know, I pulled out his file of past interviews and I feel like I got such a strong sense of him because, you know, we had interviews from the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the aughts. Mm -hmm. And a consistent through line is that he was really not afraid to speak his mind. You're right. I mean, I spoke to Suzanne Rogers, who worked with him on days when Don and Maggie had a storyline together. And she told me they were actually pals before they even really were sharing scenes together. You know, they would have lunch with John Clark when the show was only a half hour long. Uh, she talked to me about how he had such a great sense of humor and how they actually reconnected about seven or so years ago and caught up about old times over lunch. I also reached out to Gloria Loring, who played Liz. And, you know, the recurring theme from both Suzanne and Gloria, as well as pretty much every single tribute we saw for anyone who really knew him was how devoted he was to his wife, Toby, and how her sudden death really rocked him. You know, but everyone really talked about what a wonderful man he was. In uh, the mid-2000s, or the early 2000s, rather, he had a stint on, on Port Charles, and then he played General Hospital's Edward for about a year. And he spoke in those interviews that I was reading uh, about how he had actually made the call to Julie Carruthers, who was the executive producer uh, at Port Charles at the time, in the wake of uh, his wife's death because he felt like work was a distraction that he really needed. And he also talked about the sort of odd catharsis of being the person playing Edward when Edward's wife, Lila, passed away. Wow. Um, and his love for Toby and the impact of of losing her really struck me and, and also, of course, you know, really touched me. That's amazing. Well, 
Another actor with both GH and Day's ties is Brandon Barash, who has made his Salem debut as Stefan Demera, replacing yet another actor with ties to both shows, Tyler Christopher. So I spoke to Brandon for an interview in the new issue. And, well, let's start with the fact that he's been filming there, you know, for six months and is now just airing for the first time. Uh, It was a really quick recast, he tells me. Brandon was at lunch and he got a call asking if he could be at the studio the next day. So needless to say, he had a lot of info to learn in a very short amount of time, you know, from who this character even is to then the six shows that he actually filmed that week. Yeah, no, 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 thank you. You know, I I wasn't up for that recast, but I would have turned it down. (laughs) I hear you, man. Um, You know, it's coming at such an interesting time in the character's development because, you know, shortly after Tyler started, they had him in story with Abigail's alter, Gabby, and it, you know, really didn't do much to establish him on the canvas. You know, we didn't really get a chance to, like, find out who he was before that all happened. But lately, he's been interacting with Chloe and Gabby, and there have been some really dynamite scenes, and you could totally see the potential there between the three. You know, I know Brandon is stepping right into it. He told me to look for some kisses to happen right off the bat with those two. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's like Johnny Zakara, uh, who was you know, Brandon's role on GH and Nicholas Cassadine, who was Tyler's role on GH, they were like as far apart as you can get. So I think it's really going to be interesting to see Brandon's take on that character. And by the way, one of the cutest things I thought from your interview with Brandon was him talking about how on the day's set, he saw photos of Kirsten Storms, GH's Maxie, who used to play Belle on uh, days and was married to Brandon that he had never seen before. Well, I was curious. I mean, you know, I've been at the day set and they have these blowups of past, you know, cast photos all over. And I figured at some point he had to have turned the corner and seen a teenage Kirsten That's somewhere so, there. So funny. Um, well, our guest today has some very strong ties to GH. It's Donnell Turner, who plays Curtis Ashford. Let's get him on the phone to talk about life in Port Charles and how he got there. Well, hi, Donnell. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us today. The pleasure is all mine. Thank you for having me. Um, now, let's start with you grew up a bit of a soap fan. Tell us how they became a part of your life when you were a kid and what shows you watched. Sure. Um, you know, uh, like most people, my, my grandmother got me into it. She got mom into it. And um, a lot of times mom would be at work and I'd be hanging out with grandma, babysitting, and she would watch her stories. And she loved her some uh, general hospital and uh, before that, all my children. And so there were um, a couple of distinct characters that I could relate to on All My Children. And uh, who didn't love Luke and Laura and Robert Scorpio and and all those, you know, seasoned veteran goodies from back in the day on General Hospital. So I grew up watching that, glued to the screen, loving the storylines, loving the acting, loving the characters, and just thinking, wow, I want to do that. I loved the first time I interviewed you, you were like, I want to be the Black Luke Spencer. And I was like, this man knows his references. Um, absolutely. I wanted the, the hair, you know, <laughs> all of that, the attitude, you know. <laughs> he had that curl. We were rocking curls back then. It was just something I felt like I could achieve. <laughs> and um, yeah, he made it look fun. He really did. I love that. And uh, you've said Anthony Gary was a huge uh, reference point for you as an actor, him and, and John Ritter, John Ritter, Anthony, uh, uh, Gary and, um, and Billy D Williams. Yeah. Those, 
you put those three together and it was just like, this is something I want to do. Yeah, John Ritter was hilariously entertaining. And um, it, it, it was, you know, Three's Company was a bit risque for me. I was a little bit young and it was kind of like, okay, Tuesday nights it came on, my parents would go, okay, you can watch it. But, you know, that said, the guy was just entertaining as all get out. And he was another one that said, I really want to do this for a living. We should see you do more tripping as Curtis to really pay homage. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps. (laughs) And, you know, John would... He was great. He had that hair that he would just fling around every time he fell. It was pretty funny. I don't, I don't know that uh, it'll work the same with me. But um, even, even just the facial expressions and and just the comedic timing, I, I just thought, yeah, I'm sure he's a natural. But there's also some training there, and whatever he has, I got to get that. And then you stir that up with a little suave and. And, and, and charm of a Billy D. Williams. And I thought, okay, you know, maybe this is something I can do. So as you uh, got interested in actually like getting into the business for real, um, you have to tell us the story mm-hmm. of writing letters to General Hospital's casting director, Mark Tushner. Right. So uh, in um, the 90s, so now we went from the early 80s to me, you know, lying on the floor on my stomach with my, you know, head on, you know, my hands and my elbows and, you know, watching GH and watching these shows that inspired me to fast forwarding a decade or two to the 90s. And now I'm working in corporate America in Sacramento, California. And I would get stopped in the elevator. I would get stopped on the street um, quite often. And people would say, yo, you have a good look. You look like you should be a soap actor. And I would say, oh, wow, thank you. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? Well, you hear it once, twice, it's out of the blue. You hear it 10 times, it gets you to thinking. But you hear it a couple dozen times or on a regular basis, then you start thinking, maybe I should do something about it. Now, I'd already minored in theater. I was minoring in theater. I was doing local theater. And when you live in a smaller town, although it's only six hours away from L.A., it's a whole different world. You say something like, I want to be an actor, people immediately assume theater. And if you tell them, I want to be on TV, I want to be a television film actor, you might as well say, I want to be an astronaut or the president. Because people go, oh, (laughs) yeah, right. And so there were a number of people from my hometown that had attempted to move to L.A., to be an actor and you never heard from them again. So I just low key started writing. This was before like, you know, social media. I would just hand write letters to the only soap opera I really watched on a regular basis, um, you know, in my youth, you know, General Hospital. And so I would write letters like, I don't know how this works. People tell me like I could be in soaps. I am an actor, you know, minoring in theater in school. Um, you know, give me a holler. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm sure, you know, I'm sure I composed it a little better than that. But um, needless to say, you know, I didn't hear anything. <laughs> and I wrote probably one letter a month for about a year. Wow. And it was just enough, though. So each letter gave me hope. It was. It, it, it just. It motivated me. It was it was wind in my sail, 
And um, that, along with the letters, I then got into more theater, and I just kind of dove in a little bit more because if, with fingers crossed, you know, hands in praying position, I did get a call, uh, I wanted to be ready. You know, my parents always said success is when opportunity meets preparedness, not preparation, not getting ready, but already ready already. So I just wanted to be already ready already. <laughs> if I got that call. Wow. So when you did come to L.A., you got your feet wet in showbiz working behind the scenes and working as a stand in yeah. on a range of projects. Now, first of all, what did that entail? Oh, yeah. And for an aspiring actor, you know, what are the pros and cons of that kind of work? Absolutely. So just to back up a bit, I, I went to San Francisco from Sacramento. And um, my girlfriend at the time says, you need, to, you need to do this or you'll never be happy. Your soul will never be satisfied. So she gives me this brochure for the American Academy of the, of the Dramatic Arts. And so I registered. Months later, I get an interest back. I go to San Francisco and I audition. For it, they only admit. Uh, I believe at the time it was 158 people a year. I was accepted. I remember the lady in the audition really scrutinized me, and she looked over her glasses at me, and she broke me down, and I was trembling, and I had water in my eyes. And then she told me, "I'm going to admit you. Don't you make me look bad?" Oh. And I said, "Ma'am, I won't. I won't. I won't. I won't." Oh. So that was sort of the impetus. That that kind of got me to pack my things, pack my Honda Civic, put everything in the back of my car and drive to L.A. I moved to L.A. because um, class started in April and uh, class started in June, I believe it was. I moved a month early in April. I learned about this thing called extra work and background work. And I thought, wow, I can be on movie sets and meet people and learn the business this way. Well, then I learned that if you go to the American Academy of Dramatic Art, at the time I was 28, they usually want younger people, and they're going to teach you how to uh, pantomime and how to fence and things like that. They're going to, you're going to learn a wide range of performance art, which I love. But I thought, okay, I'm not 18. It's a little bit later in the game for me. I kind of want more practical information. So I wanted to be actually on set. So my first couple of sets I worked on, I got to meet stars that I recognized. I met Bill Bellamy. I got to talk with him, and he gave me some useful information. To this day, we're still friendly. Wow. Um, he, uh, uh, then within, let's see, uh, I'll never forget today, May 10th, I worked in a movie with Robert De Niro and Eddie Murphy in a movie called Showtime, to which the director took a liking to my look, and he promoted me to a featured position. I was a featured salsa dancer, and then I got to do a stunt fighting scene with De Niro in which we throw the guy through the glass. If you pause it real quickly, you'll see me there. That's amazing. What? I, I will I will be yeah, doing that. <laughs> How's your do salsa that, dancing? Yeah. Now, the salsa, <laughs> the salsa dancing scene, oh, I insulted a lot of professional dancers because I had learned on the day, but he liked my look. Well, in the final cut of the movie, all you see is my pant leg, so I guess I didn't pull it off so well. <laughs> But in that fight scene, oh, I was a local celebrity in Sacramento because people were like, I, I, I saw you if you paused it and <laughs> tilt your head to the side and squint on one eye, we can see you. And so um, that right there was just more win in myself. I thought, okay, I'm meant to do this. So um, I'm sorry to the lady. I can, forgive me for not remembering her name, but um, I, I did not. I declined the American Academy of Dramatic Arts because that was going to be something like uh, – you know, tens of thousands, like 50,000 to go. 
uh, per semester or something like that. And I got picked up on a TV show called ER to work as a regular uh, background artist. And in this town, it's great to have regular work, to know where you're going to be every day. So if you watch episodes from season seven, eight, and nine of ER, you'll see me in the background doing crosses in medical gear as a doctor. And then I got upgraded to stand-in. So instead of paying 50000 I earned 50000 wow. while learning. They used to bring... Yeah, they used to bring uh, uh, um, acting schools and acting classes on set, and I was their chaperone, and I'm showing them around and how we do this, and this is the steady cam, and this is the lighting, and this is what Video Village is. So I'm getting this hands-on knowledge that I probably it would have taken me years and, and, and tens of thousands of dollars to learn at the Academy. No disrespect to Shade to the Academy, because I think it's great, but I wanted something a, you know, a little more immediate. And so I really cut my teeth. On ER, I got to work with so many actors. Now, being a stand-in, uh, when I was upgraded, you make more money. It's even more of a standard, uh, uh, a steady job. It's an envied position in the background world, and uh, basically, you have to be the same basic height and skin tone of an actor. So, when the actor goes and retreats to their dressing room or the trailer, or they just want to sit and rest their feet and study their lines. Uh, you go in and you do their their actions. They're, you stand on their marks so the lighting is just right. So it's imperative that you have the right skin tone. Uh, the right he- height helps, although some people wear shoes with lifts and things like that. And so I stood in for a number of people. In fact, sometimes I stood in for women. Um, I've stood in for um, a lot of name brand actors, got to know a lot of you know A-list celebrities, and, and, and just kind of pick their brain and learn the do's and don'ts of Hollywood being a stand-in. So, but there's this stigma. There is this um, saying in Hollywood, stand-ins never become actors. It's just like a background singer never becomes, takes the front mic. And so that's what I was always told. You need to get out of the background stand-in world because Hollywood will only see you that you'll never work. You'll never work. And so... That was one of those things, and I just always said, well, you know, I'm learning a lot. It's a steady income, and watch this. And so I'm just one of the fortunate stand-ins that made it. That's an incredible story, especially just to be on ER, just such an amazingly successful show. It was amazing. I was a big fan. It really so was. It I was... think I'm going to go back and binge uh-huh. a little now, Donnell. You've gotten me all into it. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I start off as an orderly, and uh, one season they open, they close the opening credits with me wearing all white as an orderly, and I'm just fluffing blankets, fluffing blankets on the other side of the hallway, and then I close the door, and it's me walking down the hallway. I was so honored. I was like, "See that butt? See that booty? That's me, That's me mom." <laughs> And I got some just crazy stories. Like I go visit my mom, and we go to church uh, in, in, in Seattle when I go visit. In those days of ER, and um, now I had been upgraded to a doctor, which was also an envied background position. As a doctor, everybody wanted to wear the scrubs and be a sexy doctor. <laughs> and so um, I would go to church with mom, and uh, I remember after church, I would have a line. I would sign autographs for about 45 minutes after church. We went to a restaurant. I signed autographs for almost two hours, a line wrapped around the buffet. I missed my flight because I'm signing <laughs> autographs. And I hadn't said one word on TV. I was oh literally God. just the black doctor background doing crosses in the background. But 
I tried to do the best crosses you can imagine in Hollywood. <laughs> I would hold a cup of coffee. I would look at my watch. I would. I you would were really to, doing advanced uh, crossing. Tie my shoe. <laughs> so wait, do you give tips now at GH, like in between scenes or to background people? You must be like, I have so many tricks and tips. And... <laughs> oh yeah, peas and carrots, peas and carrots. They always say if you're fake talking, don't say blah 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 blah. Say peas and carrots, peas and carrots, because they can read your lips if you're saying blah 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 blah. So I should teach uh, background classes because I would do more than peas and carrots. I would pick out my favorite rap song, and I would just look at the person I was talking to, and I would just say the lyrics to my rap song. So <laughs> there's a number of movies and TV shows where I'm quoting Tupac. <laughs> yeah. That's absolutely incredible. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. It was very interesting, and, and my parents were very supportive along the way, and they watched every episode of shows they wouldn't have watched just to see me do my crosses. And I got so many funny stories of... You know, the scene is inside a restaurant, and I'm the blurry, you know, you see the bodies crossing outside on the sidewalk just by, through the window, you know, crossing by the window. And I couldn't just do that. No, I'm the guy who would cross, stop in the middle of the window, and tie my shoe, and then stand <laughs> up and cross. And I remember that, cut, sir, could you please just cross by, you know? <laughs> or I'd be walking by, and I'd flip a fake coin and look at it or something. I mean, I literally was trying to win an Emmy just doing crosses. Special <laughs> I knew category. there was more for me. Do you have a reel of all of your crosses? I would totally love to watch that montage. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Fortunately, this was before DVR. I believe if it were in that era of DVR, I probably would have because it would be most uh, hilarious to watch now. Um but, yeah, a lot of actors would look at me and they'd say, what the hell are you doing background for? I mean, and I'd just say, you know, just just learning the craft, sir. You know, just honing, honing my craft, cutting my teeth, ma'am. You know, but I would get that a lot from actors. I would drive to set and uh, they would say, okay, um, you know, your trailer's this way. And then I'd say, oh, well, I'm, I'm background. And they'd go, oh, we'll go to general that way. You know, so they would already assume I was the actor. And although it was humiliating to have to tell them, no, I'm not one of the actors, I'm background, I also found it encouraging. There's two ways to look at everything. So I would transmute that negative, you know, feeling of, oh, shit, I'm just the background. Excuse my language. But I would turn that into, hey, you know, they thought I was first team. That's the term, by the way. First team is the actor. Second team is the stand-in. And so they thought I was first team. Oh, well, all right. I must have a look. I must have something. Absolutely. I give off first team energy. Oh, you definitely yeah. give off first team energy. Yeah, now that we know that phrase, well, we're going to be tossing it around a lot. <laughs> hey, like, That's you know what? He's so Good, first team. The word second. <laughs> you show not a flatter of fella. <laughs> Listen, I, I got those words second team are like etched into my soul. I mean, that's like a brand that I never want to hear second team again in my life. You know, I'm I'm the. My older brother was a celebrity singer. Uh, 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 he was a star basketball player. I wasn't quite as good as EJ. Um, he was the singer, so I was little brother. So I was always second. I was always second. And then you become a stand-in, and your title is second team. So at one point, I was going to write a book, Always Damn Second. <laughs> you know? So it really feels good to not hear that again. And no disrespect to anybody, you know, doing the second team thing. It is a good living for a lot of people who are satisfied. Of course, that. of course. And then I had a commercial, uh, an AT&T commercial spoofing 
making soaps out of the doctor. And I remember doing the commercial thinking, you know, I'm mad at soaps because I had my run. They didn't think, you know. Uh, so the commercial, we were spoofing soap operas in this AT&T U-verse commercial. So I really put extra on it. And then, you know, I got the part and the commercial was hit and they ran it at nauseam. And at the same time, Weiner calls me. And I thought they called me because they saw the commercial, but they hadn't. Now, when we're filming, they're watching their monitor and they're watching live TV. At the same time, I'm shooting my scenes with Sean Kerrigan, my commercial runs. So when we cut, all of the producers and directors run over to me. Oh, my God, the funniest thing just happened. We're watching you on our monitor, and then we're watching you as a doctor <laughs> doing uh, on the commercial at the same time. And so they were all flipping out. Oh, my God, this is great. So I thought then, oh, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> Cricket noises. And that's the industry. There's a lot of... Uh, this could be it. Mama, this is it. Mama, this is it. And, you know, if you, you just got to love it. You just got to love the whole process or it'll drive you crazy. Mom used to cry when I didn't book and I'd say, mom, don't do that. Or I'm going to stop telling you when I do stuff because I signed up for this. You know, I signed up. Don't hold your breath. You just, we say our prayers and we do the work. We plant the seeds and we move on, you know, and unfortunately, uh, that same commercial got Mark Tessner's attention. And then from there, I started reading for general. Well, Hospital. tell us about that story. I mean, first of all, it's so full circle just to be involved with Mark yeah, and across right. with Mark. And so tell us about your audition and screen test. Well, you know, GH is a show I wanted to be on anyway. So forget the other one. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Look, <laughs> um, the way... Mark says he was in the shower. He heard my commercial. He heard the voice. He said he stuck his head out of the shower and said, who is that man? He's got presence and voice. He said he got out of the shower and he called all over Hollywood to figure out who that man was in the commercial. The casting director, um, she said, and I'm not the same me putting extra on it. This is what he said. She said, um, <laughs> it's the fabulous Donnell Turner. And I'm like, oh, that's wonderful. So he called me in. I read for Dr. Uh, Dr. Maddox. And I remember being in the lobby. It was a contract part. And I'm reading for Dr. Maddox. And Mark was great. He just he really taught me some things right in his office before the contract part. So then when I go in an audition, I'm looking in the lobby, and I'm seeing all these actors that I recognize from shows. And it's, 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 it's kind of daunting when you see people who you know have a resume uh, bigger than yours. And you go, oh, wow, that's a dude from Being Mary Jane. That's a dude from this show, you know. And you're like, whoa. But at the same time, it's all in how you transmute things in your head. I flipped it as, this is good stuff. I'm in the big leagues. You know, there's no knucklehead, nobody, so to speak, in the, in the lobby. There's name brand people out there. I'm in the big leagues. So that's how I looked at it. I'm highly competitive, and it motivated me. It didn't intimidate me. So then you get a callback from thousands to dozens and then from dozens to a handful. And then that handful, it's a screen test. And you see a couple people you've screen tested with before. I screen tested for one life to live in New York with Frank Valentini, by the way, which is another funny story. Um, Cause I, <laughs> I think I rubbed Frank the wrong way in New York, but that's another story. Um, and so, wait, wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. What do you mean? Hit the bricks. Hit the bricks. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, <laughs> yeah, this was probably 
and they were looking for a, a hot doctor. And um, so I auditioned once, and next thing I know, I'm on a plane going with five, uh, four other cats to uh, to New York for one night to live. And the word, the note was, actors are to be clean shaven. And uh, I thought, okay. Well, you know, I had just played the black McSteamy on days, <laughs> you know, the whole Dr. Wayne thing going. And you know, I've always had the, the scruffy beard. I just always have. Um, I, it's a, if I didn't want to go tea, I always had the scruffy beard. And um, since George Michael. But anyway, so um, I, I thought I would offer them something different. So when I get there, they, we get to the studio, and I remember Frank's face, this, this tall, lean man with, with these eyes that sort of penetrate straight through to your soul. Um, he looks at me and he says, weren't you supposed to be clean-shaven? <laughs> he goes, oh, wait, you're one of our guys we cleared to wear a beard, right, because you're in a play? I said, no, sir. And he goes, well, weren't you told to be clean-shaven? I said, uh, yes, sir. Well, you know, I just um, I played a doctor. Uh, on another soap opera, and it kind of went over well, so I just wanted to offer this look to you. And I remember he stared at me for about three seconds, which felt like a lifetime, blankly, and he rolled his eyes and he walked away. And I remember thinking, <laughs> oh, no. oh, damn, I have messed up another one. <laughs> but that's all water uh, under the so- bridge. Right. Water under the bridge. Yeah. Franking me cool now. But wait, yeah. um, I, I, I need to interrupt. I, I need to understand yeah. what happened. I'm sorry. So you finally meet Mark Teshner. Aren't you like, yeah. dude, I'm the letter writer. Like, how did that, <laughs> like, how'd that conversation go? <laughs> I'm the one that sent you those handwritten letters. Yeah. Um, I, I ran it by him, but I didn't want to tell him the story until and if I booked the part. I wanted to wait. Okay. You know, um. Yeah. And so, um, Mark gave me some great, great, you know, advice. And so, uh, I made choices, uh, kind of like a Curtis does now, or I do playing Curtis. Now I, I, I went off script. I improved in my audition. There were some things written, um, you know, uh, um, there was a whale joke and it says whales are wonderful animals. Well, well, they're, they're not animals, they're mammals. You know, so I kind of made that little adjustment and I added humor where there wasn't. And I did a little things that were just kind of Donnellisms, much like what I did with Frank. You know, I crashed and burned um, in, in 2010 or whatever in New York. But I did at this time because every success book I've ever read tells me that successful people are risk takers. And so sometimes they work in your favor. Sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. And so, I did it again, and it worked. And then they called me back, and then they called me back for a producer session. And then now I'm at a screen test, and I'm screen <laughs> testing with uh, Fanola Hughes, who I watched going back to the '80s. I'm like, oh my goodness! And she comes into my with dressing the long room. Long hair and, she's and the like, scar. Did like... <laughs> she didn't have uh, the scar? You mean oh, back in the day? Yeah, back, back in the day. day. Yes. Oh yeah, I mean she. But just to see her now was surreal, you know? She's like, oh, my God, you're as beautiful. And I, oh, wow, you have an age. And this is, I can't live my life right now. And so um, she knocked on my dressing room door, and she was like, would you like to rehearse? And I'm like, oh, uh, yeah. And I said, can I just say 
You know, um, I watched you when I was 10 years old, and, and it's just an honor to meet you. You're as beautiful uh, now as you were then. Well, you know, I'm learning that's not the compliment. That, <laughs> that uh, went over well. You, you think, <laughs> yeah, she looked at me blankly, I mean expressionless, and walked right past me into my room and sat out. And I was like, okay, note to self, do not tell someone you've been watching them since you were a child. You know, it ages someone. It's not the compliment you think it is, especially when you got gray hair on your face. So uh, <laughs> we, uh, we rehearsed. Now, I remember doing uh, the audition as Dr. Maddox. Dr. Maddox, I'm in a suit. I'm in my best suit, but I wore my earrings. I had my beard with the gray in it, and I added my own little swag to Dr. Maddox. Well, on the day of the screen test, they changed it, and they made it. Um, okay, you're not uh, you're not that character. You're a love interest. And then they bring in Vanessa Anton. They're like, you're really her love interest. So don't bring a suit. Bring a T-shirt and some sexy, your sexy look. I was thrown off. I was like, wait a minute, what? When I saw her, I thought I was too old. I remember Mark Chesner comes to my room. I'm like, should I dye my beard? Should I shave it off? I look too old for this young lady. She looks like my daughter, for Pete's sake. And so he was like, you know what? Trust your instincts. You're already great. And I was like, you are, you're like Yoda, sir. <laughs> and so, um, <laughs> so I just did my thing and, uh, uh, I remember messing up a line one. Um, and I remember Shaman telling me, if you mess up, don't ever apologize. And that's actually, you learn that in acting school, but Shaman just commonly just say, okay, you know what? Back to one. And I thought, okay, so when I messed, I did, I, I dropped my line. When she came in, instead of saying Commissioner Jordan, I said, Commissioner Gordon. Well, that's Batman. <laughs> so I said, I said, Commissioner Gordon. And then I stopped and I said, okay, you know what? Let's run that back. And I just went right back to my starting mark. Nobody said a word. And we reset and we did it again. And that was that. And I have this video uh, footage on me when I left that screen test where I went immediately to Denny's on Sunset and Gower. And I, I was so overcome with emotion, I couldn't write. So I decided to video document it. So I'm recording myself, and I'm in tears. And I remember saying, I just blew another screen test. And one day, you know, I'll release this footage because it's heartbreaking. And when I show people, they're, they're in tears because I just thought, wow, another opportunity for stability, you know, in a career I love. And I blew it. And it's like three minutes long. It's, it's heartbreaking. And, I, and then two weeks later, I get a phone call. And it's, uh, you know, the network loves you. Um, they're creating a character for you. And you didn't get that part, but they're making something just for you. And when I signed my contract, Frank told me, we love the earrings, we love the beard, the swag. You know, use the, say the words the way you would say them. Just tell our story. And... Here we are. I am incredibly grateful, blessed, honored, and um, yeah, we've come full circle. That really is so incredible and such a you know mark of confidence that they placed in you. Do you think Frank remembers that you were the guy with the beard back in New York? <laughs> so <laughs> I waited till I was on the job about two years, <laughs> you know, <laughs> make sure I was in okay. And, uh, yeah, I ran it by him, and he just kind of smirked. I think he's seen so many people and, you know, had so many babysitting moments that uh, I don't think he really remembered. He remembered the character, uh, but I don't think he remembers the screen test and the one guy that dared to 
try offer them something different. But he just kind of smirked. He probably just thought Donnell being Donnell. You know, <laughs> not that I'm a rebel, but you know, You're a I'm risk always taker. trying to push the envelope. Yeah, yeah, risk taker, no doubt. Like I'm still trying to get them to let me say certain things on daytime television. Like I don't know why I can't say a hole. <laughs> you can say ass, but you can't say hole with it. But I'm like, okay, fine. But can I just say a hole, the letter hole? Nope, you can't say <laughs> hole attached to it. I, mean, I can't say effed up. I'm like, but that's what the kids are saying. That's censored. That's PG. Well, it's daytime. <laughs> I'm like, I can't say effed up? Okay. <laughs> so I'll ask them probably once a month. Can Tucker say that's effed up? And, Have the rules changed yeah, since I last asked? <laughs> Well, it seems like you have been given a fair amount of leeway to bring your own flavor to Curtis's dialogue. You know, is that something you talked about with Frank, or did you just go for it one day? Is there an ad lib that really stands out for you? Yeah, you know, uh, again, um, I did it at the audition. When I signed the contract, Frank gave me that that autonomy. Um, I've been careful to use it responsibly. Um, and, yeah, there, I mean, the, uh, there's a couple that stand out, but one was probably my first. They wrote, uh, I was waiting, Curtis was waiting for Hayden outside of the floating rib, or maybe it was Kelly's. And then I say, hey, what took you so long? And they wrote, I'm freezing my ass off. And I thought, well, we'll see, you know, if they're going to back up what they say, you know. So I said, hey, Frank, Curtis is going to say, I'm freezing my black ass off. <laughs> and Frank looked at me with that same blank look, you know, that he looked at me uh, with in New York. <laughs> and um, and I just quickly added, listen, the cuss word is already written. I'm just adding an adjective. And he, he just kind of smirked and chuckled a little bit. And he goes, uh, we'll see how that goes. And he turns and walked away. So sure enough, I said it. Um, we moved on. They printed it when it aired. I got a lot of comments on social media. People would stop me in public, you know, black folks stopping me in target and different stores. Like, Oh, when you said black ass, I just loved it. You know, <laughs> and what it, 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 it gave a realness to a character, uh, you know, that hadn't been present before. Um, it is how we talk. Um, I, I I'm pleased to to be to, to be given that kind of uh, creative freedom, and um, it was harmless. And I know the writers probably can't write that, so if I throw that in, um, it just makes. I felt like it made it gave a realness to the script, and it made people look good. And and uh, I've been you know having fun with it since. I remember calling Franco a punk ass, and he did Roger Howard, the actor who I love so much. I don't think he was too happy about that at first. <laughs> I don't think he talked to me for like six months after that. But I remember Frank stopping me in the hallway. Hey, when you said punk ass on TV the other day, and then Frank smiled bigger than I've ever seen him smile, and he shows me his thumb, thumbs up. The network loved it. <laughs> Delightful. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it is just being that risk taker. It's, it's do or die. You know, but it's also responsible and calculated. I'm not just going to go in there rec reckless and just, you know, I'm not trying to be something I'm not. You know, there's a whole lot of Donnell. Like, um, there's an act of credo that I subscribe to full on, and it's not um, it's not who Donnell becomes because he's playing Curtis. It's who Curtis becomes because Donnell's playing him. So I want to be able to put my spirit and my 
thumbprint on any character I play. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so there was, uh, you know, obviously Vanessa Antoine left the show last year. The characters were finally like heading toward the altar. And now you have a new Jordan that was there for the wedding. And now you're crying over her because she's got some kidney problems doing a lovely job with that, by the way, John. Now, tell me about the switch to Brianna and working with your new uh, your new Mm poor Charles wife. Can I just tell you that Brianna is an angel that is descended from heaven. She is exactly my type of human being. What a gift. Uh, I was pleased that uh, the powers that be entrusted me with the uh, with my input on the auditioning process, much like the on Stella. I got to audition uh, the different ladies on Stella. So I got to audition and screen test for uh, the different potential Jordans. And Frank would say, okay, we've narrowed it down to 20. And then he'd show me when there was 10. And I'd look at them and, you know, I'm sure they're all going to be beautiful. But the first thing I looked at was their resume. I want an actress. I want someone who's going to know their lines. I want someone who's going to bring some, some authenticity and, and, and skills to the game. And so um, when it got down to five, indeed six young ladies, we screen tested. And, um, you know, I'm funny about kissing people, but I had to kiss six different women that day. But I also had um, the lady standing by with some antiseptic wipes for my lips. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. Good to know. uh, Oh, yeah. Donnell's a bit germophobic. So So am I. uh, Oh, my gosh. I can't believe I haven't made this connection between the two of you before. Do you need me to step out? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. By the end of the the, the screen testing day, my lips were raw from all of that antiseptic stuff. But um, I Worth told Frank it. from the gate when I got the job, I said, listen, I don't want to be the guy kissing on every woman in Port Charles six months, you know, later, you know, I love you, baby. You're my everything. And then six months later, Oh, what, what was that? What was life before you? And then six months later, you mean the world to me? I would doubt that you, I don't want that. Frank looked at me again and he says, you've got to be the only actor I have ever met that does not want to kiss these beautiful women. And I <laughs> said, well, that's, that's me. My name is Donnell. How you doing? <laughs> and so, um, Sure enough, that he's been great. Brianna, so we were screen testing. We did a rehearsal. And um, in the rehearsal, Frank says, Donnell is germophobic. Do not kiss the actor. Simulate it in this rehearsal. So everybody's cool. Brianna didn't get that note. She grabbed my head and she kissed me. (laughs) (laughs) But she was so, I thought, perfect. Just from, she had me at hello with that voice. It's really raspy in real life. I, I wonder if she sings. She's just wonderful. And it didn't bother me. And I knew that there was something there that it didn't bother me. So then I had the privilege, like Fanola, of going and knocking on dressing room doors and asking if they want to rehearse. So I went to everyone's room and asked if they wanted to rehearse. And you'd be surprised at the different attitudes you get from people who think they're already famous. It's 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 interesting. Like I, I got into a little altercation with one young lady. She didn't want to do some one thing this way. I said, well, we already did blocking with Frank. Well, no, I just think I would do this. Blah, blah, blah. Oh and I remember God. like going. You're like, you're not getting the job. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I, in my head, I'm thinking that. But I just said, okay, well, young lady, it's your audition. Okay. Well, you know what? Okay. 
So there's the, the different attitudes were, it was just unbelievable. Cause I remember being in that and I would have done anything, you know, just shut up and do what they're telling you. Um, and, and I had that empathy because I was there. And so Brianna, you know, I told each and every one actress though, you're already great. You're already here. Um, don't be nervous. Just play. Let's have fun and tell a great story. So I wanted to calm everyone because again, I had been there. It felt like recently. And Brianna stood out head and shoulders above the breast. She's an amazing human being. She's an angel. She makes going to work fun. She's one of those people that greets and says goodbye to absolutely every human being on set. Um, she, she's like me where we want to play more love. Um, so I live in love. Love is like my through line in life. And she seems to be right there with me. So it's just wonderful. God bless her. They, they said you're hired. And then they threw 45 pages in her face. So she was kind of like overwhelmed, like, uh, 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 so you're watching someone learning on the fly and she's sharp enough to get it. And I'm right there for her. I have her, her back, um, with full gusto. Well, you can see it on screen. You know, you definitely have a great chemistry together. And it's been so nice to see this relationship develop to where it has. Because we were waiting for that wedding or for something to happen. And, you know, here we are. A lot of drama, too. Oh, yeah. Good old poor Charles. That's right. But she does make work uh, enjoyable to go uh, to every day. And I just have great respect for her for that. Um, Now, we've seen photos on Instagram of you traveling, you know, to various places in the country with your castmates, you know, what has it been like with you for you to interact with the fans and really to get to know them better? It's wonderful because we're ships in the night here in LA. We don't always work together. We rarely see each other. Um, if we do, it's passing or, or they're in the hair, getting their hair done. I'm in the makeup chair. We yell what's up, but that's it. And so I don't always get scenes with, uh, Mora, you know, we've done one scene, I think, in my four years there. And so when we travel, we get a chance to talk and laugh and, and then know each other. And I love uh, Mora West uh, to pieces, you know, and Fanola and I, we don't have many scenes. But when we travel, we get to talk and we talk politics, we talk entertainment, we talk everything. And you get to know people. And, and this last group that went to, to uh, Virginia, we went to D.C., Virginia, and Pittsburgh. I mean, it was just a really good group. And so I really I value those, um, these, the, the, the touring. Um, it'll be one of those things that I'll look back on as really special about my time, you know, in date uh, on General Hospital. Um, well, I guess my last question, Donnell, is what do you think, like, the little boy sitting on his knees watching General Hospital would think about the fact that he ended up actually on the show? That little boy would look at Curtis and say, I think that's a cool dude, and I want to be him. If I were watching Curtis back then, I would say, I want to do that. I want to do that. Mom, I want to go get my ears no, um, I just, I think it would be more of, you know, uh, I try to, uh, I try to have fun. Uh, I want to do what John Ritter and Anthony Gary did for me. Um, I want to look fun. I want to look, I want to inspire. I live motivated and inspire. So I'm hoping there's a kid somewhere, you know, 
lying on his belly, resting his head, you know, on, on his elbows and his hands, watching the show, saying, that dude's pretty all right with me. I want to do that. Sweet. And there probably is. Absolutely. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing such amazing stories. I feel like I didn't know this much about <laughs> you. I now know a lot about you, Donnell. <laughs> Oh, there's more. Than <laughs> well, then we'll have to have a part two. <laughs> totally. Bring it. All right. Thank you all. This was this was wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you, hon. Appreciate it. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to Donnell Turner for being our guest. If you like this podcast, go subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.